So the title for the message this morning is Don't Give Up, Just Don't. Keep on keeping on. Just don't, don't quit. Don't give up. And I want you to be refreshed and encouraged with this truth from this word. Do not be weary in well-doing. All my life I've heard this phrase. It's a sure thing. Have you ever heard that phrase? It's a sure thing. I've heard that in all kinds of different contexts. And so many things that we think are a sure thing really aren't, like investing in Netflix. <laughs> or, or have you ever heard, do you remember this one, Blockbuster? You know, that was a hot item for, and then all of a sudden, just boom, it disappeared. Some things are not such a sure thing. But some things really are a sure thing. A definition for a sure thing, as you look it up, is an absolute certainty. It's a sure thing. It's a guarantee based on observation of a law of nature. I found this interesting. The law of nature, as, as expressed by AnswersInGenesis.org, that's a great resource. It's a trustworthy resource. They're the folks that have come up with the Creation Museum and, and the Ark Encounter, and we got to get one of those trips lined up for our whole church. Wouldn't it be great to have church at the Ark someday? Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Um, but So their website has this statement about a law of nature. It's something that is it's a verifiable occurrence repeated in a rep- reproducible way so that it is regarded as valid or generally valid. It's something that's it's, it's verified and it's occurring repeatedly and it's reproducible in such a way that we can see it and know that's the real deal. It's a sure thing. For instance, the sun, the sun will come out. There you go. Some of the ladies got, okay, yeah. Uh, good old Annie, that's my wife and I. That was one of our favorites in the, back in the day. We'd love to go see that. The sun will come out tomorrow. Why? It's a sure thing. The sun comes out every day right on schedule. God is a God of order. He makes that happen. Or this one. I, have, I pulled out a book from my library in the other room here. Larger book. If I let go, oh, I let go. What happens? It's the law of gravity. It's a sure thing. It's going to happen just as you know it's going to happen. It's a sure thing. Here in Galatians chapter 6, we want to look at two sure things. And we're going to look at these and keep these in mind going forward that they're self-evident. It's the sure thing. You can count on this. And as as we look at these sure things, we're going to be motivated to not give up, to keep on keeping on, to press on for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ thing. Because it's a sure thing. Galatians 6, verses 7 through 9, as, as Ken has already read for us. Um, the first obvious sure thing, the law of the harvest. It's a law. It's a, it's a natural law. This is something that's repeatable. It's reproducible. It's observable. It's something that you just know is a sure thing. It's the law of the harvest. What is the law of the harvest? What you sow, you'll reap. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, they will also reap. That will he also reap. Don't be deceived. 
And in our world, we're constantly being deceived. So many things, we're trying to take the focus off of what is true and follow something that is not true. And we're, we're being led astray. That's the idea of that word, planao. We're, we're wandering around led astray. But if you keep your eyes on what you know is true, you won't be deceived. And the thing that's true here is the law of the harvest. What you sow, you will reap. Our farmers are out doing the work right now. Brad and Brant and Jeff and Rod and Ron and others. They're, they're, why? It's the time to sow. And what's going to happen? They're going to put into the ground, line after line, right up row after row, rows of seeds implanted into the ground. Why? Those seeds are, in our area are either corn or beans, correct? That's, that's the crop. You can count on it. It's a sure thing. They are going to reap what they've sown. Now, how much? That, that varies with different soils and different amounts of rain and so forth. But, but when they put a seed for corn into the ground, they're not going to get carrots. <laughs> they're not going to get tomatoes. It just doesn't happen. Why? Because of the law of the harvest. What you sow, you're going to reap. I've heard it this way when I was a kid and, and growing up. You reap what you sow, you get what you grow. That's just a line. You reap what you sow, you get what you grow. It's just the way it is. So know that what you sow, you will reap either for the good or for the bad. You, you sow good seed, there will be a good harvest. You sow bad seed, you're going to get a bad harvest. It's just the way it is. The flesh reaps corruption. That's the way it is. That's the law. You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character of life. You sow character and you reap a destiny. James 1. Lust, when it is conceived, brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. There is a law of the harvest. John Stott said this, Every time we allow our mind to harbor a grudge, nurse a grievance, entertain an impure fancy, or wallow in self-pity, anybody do that this week? We are sowing to the flesh. Every time we linger in bad company, whose insidious influence we, we know we cannot resist, every time we lie in bed when we ought to be up and praying, every time we read pornography, every time we take a risk that strains our, 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 strains our self-control, we are sowing, sowing, sowing to the flesh. It's a sure thing. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. But also, the verse doesn't stop there. The Spirit reaps life everlasting. Amen? This is good. Look at verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will for the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will, it's a sure thing, from the Spirit reap eternal life. 
This means, this means we, we reap the blessings, the full blessings contained in the life that is now ours in Christ that we've received. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. We're already experiencing eternal life, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. So we have these satisfactions now of experiencing this fruit of the Spirit, this eternal life, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. These realities, this is the harvest when we're being conformed to Christ. So what are you sowing? That's the question. Is it good seed, bad seed? Sowing to the flesh, sowing to the spirit. That's what you're going to reap. Just an observation here. Most churches, most, are dying. Dwindling. Fewer and fewer there. Hey, it's raining. You notice that. Most churches are going through hard times. Um, in our own fellowship here in, in our state, we have about 100 churches. 50 are under 50. Now, a church of 50 can be flourishing and vibrant and alive and going somewhere. But when... When they're not, and, and, they're, and they're dwindling, there's something wrong, right? Would you agree to that? So what's going on? Well, we need to ask the question, not what's wrong with the culture, but what are, the, what are each of these churches sowing? Because the law of the harvest is true. When you sow to the Spirit, you reap life. When you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. We need to ask, what are the churches sowing? Laziness? Carnality? Strife? Arguments? Fights? Anybody ever hear of a church split? Church fights? What are they sowing? And I want you to know what that lasts for years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. There are consequences for sowing to the flesh. Many churches are living in fear. Just, oh no, what's going to happen next? Let's just hide. And fear is taking over. And let's just, just us four and no more. And we're, we, we're afraid of everyone else. And that's, that's not the spirit of, of God. Contrast that to this. Picture this. You're new in the community. You arrive at, at, at the local church. In the parking lot, there's a man that comes out to help you get the kids out of the car and to the door. And at the door, there's, there's somebody that opens the door for you with an encouraging smile, and, and, and they hand you a bulletin. And, and then, then there's a husband and wife that introduces themselves, and they, they ask if you, they, they can help you with the kids, getting them to their places. And, and, and they, they give you an information packet so you know what's going on, and they help you find a seat. 
And not only that, they bring the pastor by to meet you. They've already learned your name. They're calling you by name. And then they say, Pastor, come meet. And they introduce their new friends. I was in a church where that happened. And it's made an impression on me to this very day. And then the, the, the singing is vibrant. And, and, and the preaching is solid in the word. And guess what? That church is flourishing and you want to go back and there's something alive there right it's not just that they have all these programs and people in all the right places and that's good to have people in the parking lot and people at the door and people that are greeters that are friendly by the way i love it i love it when somebody who's come for two or three weeks said you know the thing that impressed me is People were just there so, it made me feel comfortable. I'm, 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 they're friendly. That's, that's a good thing. But that's not all of it. That's all important. But let me tell you, we must be sowing to the Spirit. Chapters 1 and 2 of Galatians, the Gospel. Your Gospel understanding. Paul loved to talk about the Gospel. You read in Acts. You read here again in Galatians. He's always telling his story about how he came to know Christ. And, and the, the, the work of Jesus Christ on his behalf, now that turned his life upside down, and he saw that life all revolved around Jesus Christ as Lord. The Bible is true. We can count on it. Life revolves around Christ our Lord. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And, and all of life took that meaning. And then the gospel was changing him, and the love of God motivated him. Just The, the gospel took over. And not only that, then there's an understanding of Christ in us. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless not I, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave Himself for me. And you see this relationship with God. No longer are you bound. No longer are you a slave. You're a son and you have freedom in Christ. You're a child of the King. Amen? And then you continually have these promptings to go... You know, I don't want to be out in that parking lot to greet somebody that's walking in. Or I want to, I, I want to go up and, and talk to that person who just looks like they might be a little bit lonely today. There, there's a spirit prompting. Or there's a, hey, can I help you with your kids? I, I, let me work in the nursery so... Did you hear me say that? Let me work in the nursery so I can encourage... You see, that's a spirit prompting. And you're sowing to the spirit and you reap life. The same thing holds true for your family life and your individual life. So the context here is the application of the truths of Galatians. So then we see there's a contrast between the works of the flesh and what the Holy Spirit does is making much of the gospel, making much of our relationship with Christ, and then we're able to see this fruit of the Spirit as we walk in step with the Spirit and we're helping others, Galatians 6.1, we're helping those who are struggling. We're restoring them in a spirit of gentleness. Reaping life. That's the law of the harvest. The second obvious sure thing as we work through this Galatians 6. We have the law of the harvest. Second, we have the law of delayed results. It's in due time. Doesn't happen. Snap of the fingers. <clears throat> the Christian life is not a fast food restaurant. 
It takes time. This is the sure thing. It's a law of nature. It's in due time, you will reap what you've sown. <clears throat> it takes time. Our, our guys that are out in the fields, they're planting the seeds, but they can go out there next week. There's nothing there. They can go out there a month from now. And my favorite week of the year here in Iowa is in about two weeks when all of a sudden those brown fields turn green overnight. I just love that. Something's coming to life. But is there fruit there yet? No, there's a whole lot more that has to take, about eight feet more growth has to take place. And there's a whole lot going on. But eventually the harvest comes, but it takes time. In due time. I hope this will encourage you and motivate you. Some of you have just begun your spiritual journey, and I praise God for that. But you may get a little bit frustrated because you started and then it gets hard and things heat up and then you get, what's going on? And you feel like quitting. Remember the law of delayed results. It takes a long time. You're not going to see immediate results as fast as you'd like, but eventually know that the good harvest will be worth it. It is so worth it to begin getting to the place where you see results. Uh, you know, now, the reality is if you've been sowing bad seeds, you're going to keep on for a time having bad But you keep on sowing the good seed, guess what you're going to start eventually seeing take over? The good harvest. That's the law of a harvest with delayed results. Even though you planted good seed, it may take a while for you to start to see the results. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. We faint not. Notice this condition. If. It's a second class condition. If you don't, and sometimes it happens. If you don't loose out is the idea of this growing weary. If, you're, if you've got the harness on, you're working, you're working the rows, you're having to do the work, and you're getting tired and so you unhitch from the harness because you're done. You're not going to work at it anymore. That's what you don't do. Now you get back in the harness. You get back on that horse that bucked you, so to speak. That, that's a line that stuck in my head as a teenager. When I'd fail to get discouraged, somebody challenged me to get back on the horse that bucked me. You ever have to do that? You just get back at it. You get, you get hooked back in, you get back to work, you don't give up. And you just do the next right thing, knowing that eventually there will be a harvest because of the law of delayed results. You get up and read your Bible. Read your Bible again the next day. Read your Bible again the next day. And you're going to start seeing line upon line, precept upon precept, more and more things clicking, and you start to see this is what it's all about. 
You get up and you come to Sunday school on a Sunday morning. I love that, watching families coming in and everyone going to their places and digging into the Word together. And, and over on this side of the, of the church, we got uh, Cheryl's group singing. Boy, are they fun. And, and Diane's class is singing. And there's this competition of, of uh, oh, I can't think of the songs right now. What do you sing over there? Definitely Jesus Loves Me. And then I Will Make You... Fishers of men, if you follow me, all right? And, and so they're just a lot of fun, all right? You get up and come to Sunday school. Week after week after week. Those of you that are teaching Sunday school, week after week after week, do not grow weary in well-doing, even if you're working through the whole book of Hebrews. Do not be weary in well-doing. In due season, you will reap if you faint not. Keep at it. Keep on plowing. Keep on coming to church. Keep on having family devotions. Keep on listening to good music. Keep on doing your sowing to the Spirit. Keep on memorizing those verses. You're sowing to the Spirit. All right? Do not grow weary. Keep on plowing. The work is hard, and, and we do get weary. And when we do, why? Well, we're worried. We're fatigued. There's discouragement that sets in. There's a lack of progress. Ultimately, failure. Been there, done that? Failure is never pleasant. It's not enjoyable to lose a job or see a relationship fall apart or fail a test, or fall into a temptation. But the immediate discouragement we feel when we face down that defeat, we get back in the harness, we decide we're not going to quit. It'll be turned to joy if we have this mindset, this attitude that I will pursue. I won't quit. I will be diligent call to mind a story that I'm sure you learned probably in third grade about a man by the name of Thomas Edison. Is that the year you learn about Thomas Edison? What year is that? All the kids are in the other room, so they can't tell me right now. Thomas Edison was a very hyperactive kid. They tried him in school. It didn't work out so well, so his mom homeschooled him before it was the cool thing to do. And he was very, very he was a kid, just a kid that was just always wanting to read everything he could read, and, and he was always wanting to experiment. So even as a child, he was experimenting this, experimenting that, tearing this apart, putting it back together. Just, that's just the way he was. And so that continued. And eventually, he was doing some life-altering experiments, and he was busy working in his lab about 2 a.m. one morning when an assistant came into the room and, and noticed that that. Edison was smiling from ear to ear, ear to ear, and so the assistant said, well, have you solved the problem? And, and Edison said, no. That, experience, that experiment didn't work at all, so now I get to start over. He could have a confident outlook knowing that the road that he was on would be paved with failures, but it was not a roadblock. He'd keep on trying. And each failure brought him a little bit closer to the answer. On October 18th, 1879, Edison sat in his lab. Thirteen months of repeated failures. 
searching for a filament that would stand the stress of an electric current. Failure after failure, no progress. It'd be easy just to say, well, I'm done with that. On top of that, he'd run out of all money. Nobody was there to help him anymore. The money was gone. And he had tried every known metal in, that, that he could think of for his experiment. And he was baffled. Then the thought hit him, out of, kind of out of nowhere. Why not try carbonized cotton fiber? No one had ever thought of that before. So for five hours, he worked on that first filament. But it broke before he could remove it from the mold. So take two. Try it again. Take three. He went through two entire spools of thread, and each one failed. Finally, that perfect strand was prepared, only to be ruined when he was trying to put it into the glass bulb. So he went back and tried it again. He refused to give up. And he continued to work without sleep for two more days and nights. And eventually, he was able to get one of those filaments put into this crude vacuum-sealed bulb and turned on the current. And the world discovered one of the greatest inventions of all time, the electric light bulb. Because he didn't quit. Now you look at satellite images of our world and you see just whole regions glowing in the middle of the night. And then there's North Korea. <laughs> Nothing there. But it, it, the whole, I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to live in a world without light bulbs? That's because one man decided he wasn't going to quit. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. Now, that, that had an impact on the, on the world through providing electricity and a light bulb. That would, that's a good thing. But there's something so much more influential. And that is a Christian who's walking in the Spirit, who shows the light of Jesus Christ in a world that's filled with darkness. So don't give up. Let me urge you with three applications. Don't give up in your declaration of the gospel. People need the Lord. Now more than ever, they know, need to know about Jesus. And they're looking for answers. And so many are curious but are afraid to ask and don't even know where to start. Keep on sharing the gospel in any way possible that you can. A man who is distributing tracts for many years on a street corner saw no results for years. Finally, seeing no visible resu results, he just quit. He, he took the harness off and he just walked away. But when he returned to the same spot two years later, there was another man there handing out tracts just as he had done. The second man said that he had become a Christian through a gospel tract that was given to him on that very corner about two years before. The convert added, many times I've come back here to find that faithful witness and to thank him, but, but he never returned. I decided he must have died, and so I've taken his place. The man who was handing out the tracts realized that his work had not been in vain, and there was fruit for his labor. That moved on my heart 
because I've grown weary about handing out gospel tracts. Let's get back at it. We have a track rack. Let's use those up. We'll fill them up again and again. I have a whole drawer full of, of beautiful tracks that if you want to use them, just talk to me. We'll get those out. But let's not be weary and well-doing. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Psalm 126. So don't give up on your declaration of the gospel. There's somebody that God has put in your life that needs to hear of Jesus, and the only one they're going to hear it from is you. Don't give up on sharing the gospel. Keep after it. Keep on keeping on talking about Jesus. Number two, don't give up in your ministry of discipleship. One of the most exciting things I heard this morning, we were just analyzing some things, and one of our men said that there are 29 people who have gone through our intensive discipleship preparation in the last several years. Yes, we're going to keep that up. Don't grow weary. Galatians 6, verse 10. Look at this verse. So then, we have, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Those that have trusted Christ, keep on encouraging them with a good work to build them up in the faith and to restore as they fall and, and keep after them. There's the parable of the sower. And the, there's some of the seed that falls on good soil and it reaps some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. It will reap a harvest. It may take time. That's the other law. If you look at that parable about the sower in Mark, Matthew 13 and, and Mark 4 and Luke chapter 8, it's all the identical same parable, but Jesus is making a little bit different emphasis with each one of them as it's recorded in the Word here. And in one, some of them are hearing. There's some people that you're sharing the gospel with that they've not yet responded. In, in Mark chapter 4, it says that they've accepted it. These are new believers that need to be grounded in the faith and encouraged in their early steps. And, and you have opportunity to help people with their get-to-know-Jesus Bible studies. And then in Luke chapter 8, these that are sowing and, and reaping, they are holding on to the Word. And they're growing in their faith. That's part of your harvest, is the depth and maturity and strength of walk. Be not weary in discipleship. It's the Great Commission. Let's just do it. Get the harness on, keep on plowing, keep on working. There will be a harvest. And number three, don't give up on your own journey of sanctification. It's a journey. Have you tried and failed again and failed again? Would you, would you look at 1 Thessalonians just a few pages back in your Bible from Galatians? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Toward the end of the book, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Is this your prayer? Keep on praying it. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you or me completely and may your whole spirit or my spirit and soul and body be, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's your prayer. Have you failed with that blamelessness or that, that being sanctified completely? Do you feel like you just, I'm, not, I'm just not making progress? 
Keep on sowing to the Spirit. Keep on sowing to the Spirit. And eventually you will find that there's fruit. There's a harvest. It takes time. Let me just clarify. At salvation, we're sanctified before God. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees that we have the gift of His righteousness. We are sanctified. In heaven, we will be completely freed from the presence of sin. We will be completely sanctified, never ever having to face sin anymore. Somebody said to me recently, you know, when I used to go to Baptist churches, there were amens all over the place. Now you have to ask for one. Amen? (laughs) When we get to heaven, no more sin! Yes! We don't have to fight with that. That failure after failure. But as we're living this life, as we're working through this Christian light that we have, we still struggle with darkness. We still are in a battle. It's a spiritual battle every day. And be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. If you're like me, you have a long way to go. But it's a journey that's well worth it. And the fruit, the harvest, is so good. Keep reminding yourself of this sure thing. The law of the harvest and the law of delayed results. As we keep on emphasizing within our lives the gospel message, as we keep on growing in our relationship with this one, this Jesus who is indwelling us, and the Spirit making much of Jesus within our hearts, and we respond to His Holy Spirit prompting day after day, there will be lasting results. It's so encouraging me, to me to look out over this congregation and see people that are growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord, one step after another. And I'm just amazed at your growth. Keep it up. Do not be weary in well-doing. I sat down in my office right before the service, just was thinking about this, and <clears throat> realized 1982 is when I first started as a pastor. I had one year in California. And I started thinking about the fruit that remains from that one year. Young people that went on to be pastors' wives and pastors and faithful in their church, working hard. Then I, then I thought about our ministry in Colorado Springs and in Denver and so many are missionaries in Taiwan and um, or, or, or what's next to Vietnam? Cambodia. Africa, South America. Um, there's fruit. Young people that have just been faithful to God right where God's planted them, some in Kansas, some in Colorado, some in Nebraska, some in Ohio, some in South Carolina, some in Illinois. Now they're, they've got gray hair. You look at pictures of them on Facebook. I was just doing that. And they've got gray hair. How can that be? They're in their 50s, 60s. That's where I am. But you look back and there's fruit that remains. Some that were away have come back. Yes. 
It's so good just to stick with it. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. You ever come across somebody that you were helping in Awana 20 years ago that now is still following Jesus? Some of those are still in our church. You sow to the Spirit, you will reap life everlasting. It is so good. Continue in these things. Lord, would you take your word, convince us of its truth. May we be encouraged and refreshed today, knowing that your word is right, and it's worth it to live for you completely. Build us up in the faith. So often we want to just pull aside and say, it's not worth it. But Lord, help us to get back to work walking in the Spirit, bearing fruit, and not growing weary and well-doing, knowing that in due season we will reap if we faint not. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.